0: All right, welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. If you're online with us, we're so glad that you took the time to tune in, or maybe you're watching this during the week on one of our feeds somewhere. We're just so glad to be together, whether in person or online. Um, I'm Chip Freed, the lead teaching pastor here, and uh, so grateful for this time together. This is kind of the time in the church where things get busy again, right? Right? We know there's a calendar year, and some of you have been in the business background. I used to be in the corporate arena. We call it a fiscal year, and the fiscal year in the church really kind of, especially in Cleveland, starts in the fall um, because, you know, we don't see the sun but like four months a year, and so it's summertime. We kind of wind down. We, spend, we worship God as we're able, but we spend time with family. Some of you have been traveling. I get it, but back in the fall, we really gear up again, and we've got a major lineup of events and things that are going on. Really, is going to talk, our outreach coordinator, after service to you. Um, something is happening next week, some fall fun. Uh, we've got other events. We've got some missional stuff for Christmas. Just a bunch of things to go on. And I'm really excited. I'm, I'm expecting God to do something brand new. Uh, it's been three and a half tough years, and I'm kind of getting tired of it. So I want to fight back with energy and with passion And uh, like Dre reminded us to see uh, that God's presence can be heaven to us, not just out there someday, somewhere, but that kingdom come that will be done on earth. Jesus said, would you bind on earth? will be bound in heaven. I want to experience a little bit of heaven because I'm tired of experiencing hell every time I turn on the TV. Um, And so we want to do that. But before you enter into any kind of activity or busyness, even for God, I mean, when Jesus showed up, the temple was extremely busy but Jesus wept over their religious busyness because he said, I, you know, I came in here and I expected to find a house of prayer for all nations, not just for some, but instead I find people going through the motions. And he said, you confess me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. So we're going to spend three weeks before we do anything, uh, spending time in prayer. And so we have a series that we're starting today, just three weeks, that's going to prompt us. This is like a prompting. Prompt all of us for three weeks to focus our minds on intentionally taking time to pray. Now, you may know if you're from Cleveland, you may think Chip is starting this off because the Browns are kicking off their season today. And that takes a lot of prayer. That can even be dangerous prayer. Oh, Lord, let the Browns go to the Super Bowl. That's really dangerous, man. You can set yourself up for a fall. Um, you know, and I, I, I've heard people say to me, "Hey, you know, Pastor, we just need to get prayer back in the schools. And I say to them, brother, sister, as long as there are tests, there will always be prayer in the schools. Trust me on this. Nothing you can know do about. And as long as there are the Browns, we love them, there will always be prayer in Cleveland. But that's not why I'm doing this. I'm not. I'm doing this because I think this is the power source for us, for everything we do as Christians. And uh, Monday is 911, And I think all of our hearts who've lived through that day um, kind of pause and get reflective on, on the terrible events of 22 years ago. Many sociologists and my pastor told, said to me that 9 one was the day actually the 21st century began because it wasn't on January 1st, 2020. It was September 11th, 2021, where we learned how small we are, when we learned how uh, global we are, how connected we are, how, how we should have learned how to hang on to one another with hope and grace and love. Um, across the entire world, um, it was kind of a, a, a rattling moment, so every nine one one I go back into my file. I keep files on these events, and you know you hear stories after of, of hurt and hope and all those kind of things and so just having that in my mind and beginning with prayer, I pulled out a story that i 'd heard uh, not long after after the terrible tragedy about a woman named Janelle Guzman McMillan. Janelle was the actual last person. Uh, who survived that terrible tragedy. She was the last person rescued. 30-year-old single mom from Trinidad um, who had literally only been on the 64th floor of the North Tower for nine months working as a port authority clerk when that terrible day came. And for 27 hours, Janelle was trapped in the rubble, only able to move her left hand. She was raised a Roman Catholic, she shared, by her own admission, by her mother, who was very faith-filled in an interview after, but she said, I have to be very honest with you, I wandered far from my faith. I wandered far from church. But as I sat there in the wreckage, my mind went entirely to God. And she said, she thought of her 14-year-old daughter and her first prayer in the midst of that terrible tragedy, Uh, the first hour of her 27 hours there, she prayed this way. She said, Lord, may they at least find my body so that my daughter and other ones I love can have a burial. But she said later, these are her exact words. She said, later, my prayers began to become more bold. And I revised my prayer and I said, Lord, if I have to die, can I at least make it to the hospital so I can see my daughter one more time? But later after that, she confessed toward the last hour. She didn't know how many she was there. She said, I boldly, her words, not mine. I boldly asked the heavenly father that I might be rescued alive. I prayed this prayer again and again toward the end. God, please save my life. Give me a second chance. I promise I will change my life to do your will. She said, I prayed that over and over and over again. I don't know how many hours. And it was then that I heard the words of the firefighters who found her body as they saw the reflective gear of a fallen colleague, and she was rescued. Now, when I was reading that, I thought, you know, there's something interesting about her prayers, because I've usually heard prayers, in those situations go the other way. When immediate tragedy comes, people pray, help me! God, save my life, spare me. And then as time goes on, the situation gets more desperate. Lord, I'd really like to just see my loved one again, even if only for a minute. And as time goes on, only then do they say, well, Lord, can they at least find my body? But do you notice her prayers are exactly the opposite? She prays, Lord, will they find my body? Then Lord, can I see my loved ones again? Forget that, Lord, save my life so that I might do your will. And did you hear her comments? She said, I became bolder. I I boldly asked the Heavenly Father. Those were her words. And so we're starting off this series. We're going to give you three prayers. But today, the prayer I'm going to talk about is, Lord, make me bold. Because whenever preachers like me talk about prayer, you get to you know, you know, we get in minds of prayer. The first thing we'll do is to tell, thank you, I forgot my pointer up here. The tech team is so good. Um, the first thing we do in the, in, we talk about prayer is we're reminded, gee, I don't pray enough. That's called frequency. And, and I want to do that for three weeks. To try to get you a little more frequent, we'll talk about that. Set your alarm, uh, you know, during lunch, before a meeting, when you go to the gym, when you go for a walk, whatever it might be, at the end of the day, kind of say, okay, I'm going to pray this prayer that I'm going to talk about. Lord, make me bold. Pray and see what happens in your life as you do that. But that's frequency. But what uh, Gabrielle reminds me, and I'm sorry, Janelle reminds me of, is it's also about intensity. Intensity. What's the intensity of our prayers? Uh, You know, how are we praying really in an intense way? You know, all of us have been kicked in the gut a little bit um, the last three and a half years. It's been hard for all of us, especially for the church. The church is in crisis in America. It's been in crisis. All these years have done is, is, uh, you know, accelerate that. But faith in church, faith in God, and frankly, faith in each other has waned. So I was preaching about it a couple weeks ago when I talked about the sin of sloth as we were in our seven daily slins and how we kind of fall asleep at the wheel and how we've fallen into indifference. And the, the, these years have taken their toll. They've taken their toll on me. My own spirit has gone in the tank at times. And, and you know, we, I continue to read articles. I was away from my son's wedding the past week out in Colorado. And, and even in that week, I got texts from two pastors who, uh, both of whom dropped out of ministry in the last three years. When, when the pandemic started in 2020 and we were knee-deep into it, and I knew this was going to be a long haul and all the other tension, the politics and racial anxiety, everything went it. Somebody said, uh, Rick Viotis, a pastor, said, we all suffered through CPR, COVID, politics, racism. Like we just lived through this, right? Right in front of us. And it wore us down. And I, have, I was concerned about three groups. And I'm, I don't have the gift of prophecy, but three groups I intensely began to pray for. I was worried about school teachers enormously, especially those who work with young children. I was worried about nurses specifically. Um, and I was worried about faith leaders. And if you study all the surveys, all three of those groups vocationally have left in the last three years their positions by almost the same margin. 25 to 30% have dropped out. And we have personnel crises right, crises right now in our schools, in you know, medical care and hospitals, and, and in faith communities, um, as those leaders just gave up and gave in. But I met with the staff, and I said, Hey, this is, we've all been beat up, but this is not a season to stay beat up. This is a season to be built up. And that's only going to happen if we ground ourselves in prayer. And so after my son's wedding, and yes, she didn't run away. She said, I do. And they were married on the same day that Terry and I were married 33 years earlier. So if either of us forget each other's anniversaries, you can't go to heaven. You're done. You're done. But I was, we were so excited. But um, after the wedding, I needed some time before all the energy started So we went up to Boulder to the mountains and had this wonderful Airbnb with a deck that looked at the mountains. And uh, I like Teddy Roosevelt. He's one of my favorite presidents. I'm a big history nerd biographies, but I love Roosevelt because he was, even though he had a political party, both parties kind of hate him and he did his own gig and he, and he kept his integrity instead of, you know, falling in with the mob. And Eddie Roosevelt was, was Teddy, Eddie. Yeah. My friend, Eddie, um, Teddy Roosevelt was, you know, he started the national parks. He loved the outdoors. And there was a story about him that when biographers say, when heads of state would come to the White House, uh, at the end of the night, after all their meetings, they would have a little nightcap. I think it was hot milk. I don't know. Um, But then they would smoke their cigars. And Tay Roosevelt, before they retreated to chambers, would say, let us go outside. And they would go outside together, whether, you know, presidents of whatever countries around the world. And um, he said, let's just look for a moment at the stars this was before all the bright lights of DC that you could really see a canopy of the stars. And they would sit there quiet for maybe a minute or two and look at the stars. And Roosevelt would look at them all the time and say, okay, now, gentlemen, since we now feel insignificant enough, let's go to bed. And sitting there by the Rocky Mountains, looking up there, when I finally felt insignificant enough, I, I began to think about this aspect of being built up, not just beat up. And these words from uh, Habakkuk, a a prophet at a time of horrible national demise in Israel. I mean, economic collapse, uh, political division, uh, struggles from inside and out. He ends his prophecy saying this, though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vine. Though the produce of the olive fails, the stock market crashes, the Dow goes down, interest rates go up. That's what he's saying. And the fields yield no food. Though the flock is cut off from the fold and there's no herd in the stalls, yet, watch these verbs, they're bold. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. That was the scripture I was led into feeling insignificant enough. See, we need to have a yet faith. You know, we need to have a, a faith that goes the distance. I, I Instead, of, you know, for years and years I've listened to the church, pray for revival, oh God, bring revival. I, I went into ministry in 1990, but I'm sure it was being prayed in the 70s and the 80s. And I have listened for over 30 years, Lord, bring revival. I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me at that moment, you need to quite quit." praying for revival and i'm inviting you to live in the middle of one so don't just pray for revival but live in the middle of one have a yet faith i saw our men's group bible study they meet on mondays and they're starting a new study you can jump into if you want to i think this coming monday and they're they're studying job together now job had more reason to complain than any of us do but he had a yet faith do you remember what job said though he slay me yet will I trust him because I know my redeemer lives Paul went through a tough time when he accepted Christ and he said those famous words that many of us often quote from Philippians he said I can do all things now a lot of people in the world say I can do all things but Paul said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me right he, Paul, Paul says it's a partnership it's plugging in right? That's where I get the power from. And how did Paul plug in? He learned the power of prayer. That was how he plugged in to, to God's saving energy and God's Holy Spirit. Um, he would always begin his letters with prayer. And he was saying that something might come into me That then I can live outward in my life. I love what he says in Ephesians. For this reason, he said, I bow my knees. He just interrupted what he was saying in that letter before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes his name. I pray, what? That according to riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. As you are being what? Rooted and grounded. In love, I pray that you may have the power, right? To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled. Are you hearing this? Something, God, fill me, come into me, expand me, broaden me, make me bigger than who I think I am. Let me feel insignificant enough that you can raise up your power within me and then I might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him by the power at work in us. Do more than we could think or imagine. It happens through prayer. And Paul said there's a power out there that we need to plug into. And in this story, now you may say, I know what you're going to say after that eloquent prayer by Paul. Probably his best one, you're like, well, I can't pray like that. Neither could Paul. If you read Romans 8, you know what he says? We don't know how to pray as we ought to. But the Holy Spirit comes, intercedes for us as he official word, but praise the prayer for us. House of prayer, many, many years ago, Pastor Lori taught me, and through that ministry, that I should start every prayer with just three words, come Holy Spirit. Right? I don't know how to pray right now, Lord. Come Holy Spirit. Somebody's offended me, Lord. I don't feel like praying. Come Holy Spirit. (laughs) Invite that power Into us. And in this story today that Jeff read, you know, Peter and John were out preaching Jesus, and there was this man out there who couldn't walk for 40 years, and they're pulled before the authorities as he's healed. And they say to them, What? They say, uh, By what power did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak. See, he plugged in. We need to learn to plug in, all right? And this is a key scripture for our our whole series. And I'd like you to go to Colossians 4, 2, do it at home. Colossians 4, verse 2, either print it out, tape it on your refrigerator, put it on your desk, put it in your phone to come up at certain hours, make it your wallpaper, uh, you know, on your social media, whatever. For three weeks, say these to yourself, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now, I'm going to just do a little test here. I know it's a little dark, but I can see you. I just, just by a show of hands, how many of you here, that are here today, believe in the power of prayer, that prayer has power? How many do that? Yeah, most of you, almost all of you. Now, second question, how many believe you can pray more consistently and with more faith? The same number of hands. Isn't that interesting? We are believers in God. We know the power of prayer that God said, you approach the throne of grace with boldness. And we all know we don't do it consistently enough. And we kind of are haphazard too many times, right? And so we know we need to spend, we don't spend enough time in prayer. And we know even when we do pray, our prayers are too tame. Our prayers are too safe. And that's why we're inviting you to pray dangerous prayers, right? Dangerous prayers. See, our, our prayers are uh, kind of say, Lord, bless this food. Now, if it's a greasy cheeseburger and fries, that takes a lot of faith to say that, it does. But, you know, Lord, give me a parking spot today. You know, Lord, help me. And, and first, I don't want to cartoon that because I loved where you know, the, the, the team was leading us to invite the presence of heaven. I'm experienced. Brother Lawrence was an old saint who said, we practice the presence of God. So yeah, when that parking spot opens up or whatever, and I'm in a hurry, I, I've learned it. Hey, thank you, Lord. You know, when you ever get into a shower and the water's just right, like you don't have to go back between freezing cold and hot, even in an Airbnb. And you're just kind of like, thank you. Lord." We should invite God into little things. But you know what I'm learning? If my prayer life is, is that safe and that tame, I'm also, I'm almost insulting going before the author of the universe always that way. We need to up our game. We need to up our intensity. We know it need to go, in, you know, in the direction that the sister did, that our prayers become more and more intense. Now, what, what are part of the problems with praying? I got a few ideas. One of the reasons um, we're bad at prayer is we've been in prayer circles or prayer meetings with people who are really, really good at prayer. If you ever notice that, uh, like I hang out, you know, with Pastor Lori and Pastor Terry, they are they like get Academy Awards every year for their prayers. They are so good. I develop prayer envy. I do. I you know I like. I'm, I'm not that good. I, I don't pray that way. When they pray, it's almost like you can almost hear God say, "Wow, that was really good." <laughs> do, do you know? What? We kind of have a prayer point system. Have you, ever, have you ever heard that, right? Like the, the better our prayers are, um, you know, the, this implied point system we have, there's ways you can get more points. You can get more points if you quote a Bible verse in your prayers. You can. I've had people pray, you know, we're going through this tough time, Lord. I know my sisters are going through this tough time, but as you say in Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against us will prosper. And you go, wow, I heard that prayer. I didn't know exactly where it was. Man, this sister knows the verse and everything. And she even tells God in case he forgot. You know, so you get points for prayer if you can quote Bible in your prayer. You get points if you can bind the devil. You really, really do. You get points in prayer. If you pray and while you're praying, somebody says, yes, Lord, ding, 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 more points, right? We pray like there's this like this point system, but the truth is, I sometimes when I'm praying, don't just feel like I'm not getting point. I I feel like my prayers are pointless. You know, I'm just going through the routine. Um, you know, I've often felt like a prayer failure. You know, I have pastors. I got a lot of pastor friends, and sometimes they'll call me and they'll go like, you know, hey, my, Pat, Chip, what if we just to get together and can we like pray for an hour? And I'll go, let's not. You know, like I'm, it's hard. I'm hard enough praying for five minutes, you know, and staying focused. I I know it's just me, right? Um, But here's what we learn. You look at David. David was one of the best prayers in the Bible. He wrote many of the Psalms, a prayer book and the hymn book of Israel. But when David fell off the wagon, you know, with Bathsheba Gate and his pastor kind of led him to understand that. He didn't pray to be more eloquent. He didn't pray to slay giants. He didn't pray to remind God how good he was with words or, or harps. But he knew that, that we're not judged that way, that our prayer life is powerful because of the purity of our hearts. That we know our insignificance. We know, God, why are you even mindful of me, David said when I consider the world that you have made. And only then when David repented, could he say, God, he didn't say, you know, give me a status or a position. He said, God, create in me a clean heart and put a right spirit within me. And I've realized sometimes I feel like when I'm praying, I'm bored and I'm worried God is bored with my prayer life. I'm realizing that my prayers are just predictable. They're mundane, they're rote, and they're safe. But there are dangerous prayers in the Bible. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. That's a dangerous prayer. Try me and know my thoughts, what my mind wanders to. That's a dangerous prayer. You know, see if there's any wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a dangerous prayer. Use me, Lord. That's a real dangerous prayer. But this prayer that we're focusing on Is Lord make me bold? Now bold has English roots that literally means house or dwelling place or mansion or castle. It's as though we're you know we're, we're looking for boldness. We're looking for a foundation, somewhere to stand uh several of the romantic languages uh, talk about as being blown up or swelled like there's a power in me it's not my head's getting swelled but but that something's coming in me that's given me what the greek word means is a steady assurance that's within me because something's coming into me a latin word implies audacious how audacious are your prayers <laughs> I had to ask myself that. Are my prayer, you know, uh, you know, safe prayers or audacious prayers. Peter, when they brought him before the authorities, right, um, it, 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 he said, say, by what power do you do this? He said, by Jesus, the one whom you killed, but God raised. That's an audacious statement. And it, it says their response was when they saw the boldness, the calm assurance of Peter and John, and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. The literal Greek there says they were amazed and knew they'd been with Jesus. You know, are we living a bold life in some way, quiet assurance, that people say, man, there's something about them? I, I question myself how many times have people been amazed? By my, by my faith, by my ability to hang in there through tough times, my ability to forgive when it's not easy, right? And I love it, it says, when they saw that they were uneducated and ordinary men. Do you know what that word is in the Greek? Idiot test. Idiot test. Yeah, knowing you were impressed by that. Um, I kind of was, that one stuck me in the nose. It literally can mean uneducated or untrained, but, it, but also the Sanhedrin and the elite looked down on people lower classes and called them idiot tests. That's so where we get the word, idiot, right? And they saw these two idiots out there with this boldness and they, they were amazed. They, they were struck by that. So that's a good thing when you say, well, I'm not a trained professional. No, you're an idiot test. But open your heart and receive the Holy Spirit and you can find new boldness in your life. And I loved... Um, that what happened afterwards, this is down in the story, right? It says, after they were released, because they were threatened, you preach this stuff anymore, we're going to imprison you. These guys were in prison twice in one week, and I think I had a rough time. And he, they said, we're going to imprison you, we're going to torture you, when we may kill you. And it said, after they were released, they went and told their friends, the, the church, everything that had been said. And when they heard it, they raised their voices together to God. They prayed. And what what didn't they pray? They didn't pray, oh, God, my God, they're going to kill us. Keep us safe. Let me have a 401K. I'll go to my Bible study and go home. No, they prayed, sovereign Lord, who made heaven and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. For in this city, in fact, all these folk want to do harm to us against uh, those of us who are sharing your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness, right? But here's the thing. We have turned bold into kind of a negative word and believe me, I've heard it used so poorly by Christians. Some people say, oh yeah, I went out there and I was bold and, and, you know, and i shared with these people, you no know, good sinners and all this stuff. Look, God said, "The prayers make me bold, not make me mean." And you get no points in heaven for boldly speaking hurtful words to other people in the name of Jesus. Doesn't that 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 gets you nothing? No ding, 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 right? It, it we're called to be bold, not brash, but bold. And 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 it says what? Make me bold to speak your words, not my words. And what are the words of Jesus? They're words of grace. They're words of peace. Yeah, sometimes they're urgent words in defense of others who are being abused. But when facing others who are under the weight of abuse, like the woman who was set up and thrown out in adultery, Jesus is so gentle. He takes his time. And friends, there's a formula for this. We pray for boldness, this assurance, and then the Holy Spirit comes, and then they're able to speak boldly. There's a pattern for it, right? Right? Now, not brash boldness, but holy boldness. Watch this is not a personality trait; it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come and help make me bold. Right? Help me um, speak Your Word in a way, and that and that can come instantly, or it could come after a while. Let me share my personal story. I'm going to wrap this up. But um, in 1990, I prayed this prayer. Actually, in 1989 to, Lord, make me bold. Give me the courage to leave the corporate arena of comfort that I was a CEO making a good living in my 20s on a path, got a wife and a, a six-year-old daughter. And, um, but make me bold because we're feeling the call to ministry, Terry and I are. And so when we declared ourselves for ministry, all of my friends, especially non-believing friends in the corporate arena, were sure I had lost my mind. They were just sure. They thought Terry was in a cult. They did, and she had seduced me into going in and drinking the Kool-Aid. In fact, one of them was in my wedding. Actually, um, when I called to say, "Hey, I'm leaving uh, in six months. I'm I'm going into full-time vocational ministry," he said, "Wait a minute, Chip. Uh, The president of the company just walked in. Let me put you on hold." He thought he put me on hold, and he put me on speakerphone, and he shouted out at the top of his language, "What a blank and waste!" And then he jumped back on the phone. He didn't know I heard it. Now, I could have been brash-bold with that group. I could have said, well, ha, 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 I'm going to be with Jesus. And if you don't turn your life around, you're going to burn in hell, infidel. I could have done that. But instead of being brash-bold, the Holy Spirit came. And it made me holy-bold. And I was able to talk about faith very openly. And, and you know, if there was something you need pray for, I could do that. But I still played golf with my friends. And I was still chip. And I still love them. And I prayed, God, I, I, I pray for my friends that they might come to know your love. And whatever I can do to bring that love into their life, just use me. That, was, that seems like a, you know, careless prayer. That was a dangerous prayer. Because I took some ridicule and I had to put up with some of that. But we stayed friends. Now, fast forward to my son's wedding last week. Many of those same friends flew in for the wedding. Every single one of them, but one along these 33 years has confessed publicly their faith in Jesus Christ. Every single one of them, but one. And just do a little quiet testimony. I'm not taking credit for it. That's the Holy Spirit. But for whatever reason, along the way, they come to really respect my ministry. They get it that I'm not crazy. I'm not in Ghana drinking Kool-Aid. They, they actually trust that. Like, Chip, yeah, something's happening to him. He's different. Um, I'm still ornery on the golf course. I am. We played golf three times out there. You know, me with my busted tendon. And boy, did I milk it for strokes, man. Every I didn't play 54 holes in a row, but every day, oh, this is hurting a little bit, man. You know, I hit a bad shot. Can I get them all again? So I'm still, I still got that in me, right? But I also have the quiet assurance in Christ. So all of my friends, we're all out there. We ran the Airbnb. We went up the boulder. These are all guys before before I ever... You know, accepted Christ, played ball with in college, and won the NBA and other stuff, and and every one of them but one, professed Christ. And you know what that one did? Two months before the wedding, he called me up and he said, "Hey Chip, I'm going to see you out in Denver. Can you do me a big favor?" And and he's a, he's a very successful executive down Miami, and uh, 61 years old. And um, he said, "Can you do me a big favor?" I said, "Now you know my son's getting married. I'm broke, like." for a wedding. He goes, no, 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 that's not at all. <laughs> okay. He said, just one favor. When we're out in Colorado, would you baptize me? And um, I said, yeah, man, that'd be an honor. And, and we talked about it. And so we're out there and we had wonderful days. And on the last night, the boys went up, We all went out to play golf in the morning. And we came back to the big deck in front of the mountains with the hot tub. And Terry had gone out to a store and she had bought candles that said faith and hope and love and joy and friends and faith and Jesus. And she had put them all around the deck. And all of a sudden, it was like walking into a shrine. And we sat there. And then in front of the mountains, Terry just said, okay, let's all look up our eyes to the hills and she read Psalm 122 I lift up my, my eyes to the hills from where does my help come it comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth he will not let your foot be moved he will not he who keeps you will not slumber he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep the Lord is your keeper The Lord is the shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all, all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. And then we turned to each other and we began to share words of faith. We talked about our friend and ways that... We saw God working in his life. And I remembered all the times that I had shared faith with him. And he was very, very angry at God. He didn't believe in God. Because he and his wife were never able to have children of their own. And he had, a, he had a big chip on his shoulder about that. And I remembered, I told him that. Do you remember I was talking to you about adoption and the joy I've experienced of adoption? Do you remember when I talked to you about Romans 8, that we're all adopted? That God has given us a spirit of adoption. And, and, he, and do you remember at times you told me you just cussed God out? And do you remember I told you God can take that? But he's never going to leave you or forsake you. And after doing all that, we walked into the waters together and I baptized my friend. In 1990, I prayed, Lord, make me bold. And 33 years later, the Holy Spirit came on the deck outside of Boulder. So pray that prayer with this week. I don't know what's making you bold. Remember, if you're praying that the Spirit, remember what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's not meanness, it's not gossipy, it's not rude, it's not judgmental, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who here needs to pray, Lord, make me bold in love? Who here needs to pray, Lord, Chip make me bold in patience? That's a dangerous prayer for me. Lord, make me bold in self-control. Well, I just have a gift to speak my mind. Bury that talent. And say, Lord, give me the gift of self-control. Give me the gift of, let me be bold in gentleness. If we pray those prayers this week, Lord, just set your clocks. Give it one week. One week. That we might pray individually and together. Lord, make me bold. Maybe the Holy Spirit will come all at once. Or maybe he'll show up 33 years later. But his timing is always perfect. So let's close this message today. And say with me that prayer together. We're going to pray all week. Lord, make me bold. Amen.